Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Vivisection, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this weekend's UFC card. Here are your hosts, Zane Simon and Connor Rebush. Hey everybody, welcome back to the MMA Vivisection with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Connor Rebush. We are here once again talking about this week's UFC card going down at the APEC facility in Las Vegas, Nevada. Headlined by a woman strawweight bout, Mackenzie Dern, Yan Chao Nan. And, uh, you know, I'll say this. We found, we, found some, we found most of the fights on the main card pretty interesting. And even on the prelims, there's not a lot of, like, everybody's familiar. You know, all these fights are at the very least have that going for them where yeah. almost every fight is somebody that we know and have enjoyed watching and are interested to see what happens with their career. Even if that, or just, you know, in the case of Joaquin Silva, Joaquin, uh, Joe Kim Silva versus Jesse Ronson, like, you know, it's just an, a fight of, at this point, aged, rugged vets with limited fun games that I'm happy to watch. Mm-hmm. So, should be a pretty decent card. Even if it's low on name value, low on meaning, it'll still be solid. For I think who, it's actually pretty decent on name value, and that's why yeah. on the on the main card, Viviar listeners will probably hear me describe this as one of those cards with a lot of half-interesting fights. Yeah, yeah. And the half that makes many of them interesting is that, as you said, I know most of these guys. Yeah. Francisco uh, Trinaldo, Randy Brown, meaningless fight at welterweight. Yeah. But I like Francisco Trinaldo, and I like Randy Brown, and I've never thought about putting them together in the octagon before. Yeah. Should be interesting. Yeah. And and honestly, the main card and and on the prelims too, there are. It's almost uncharitable to say that the many of the fights are half interesting. I mean, maybe half of them are. Yeah. Something like our Barcelos Jones, or like, um, Castaneda Santos or Davis Borchov. Well, yeah, but th- those ones I think yeah. are actually like they look competitive. Okay. So I've... at least they have that going for them. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure who's going to win, and I know yeah. the fighters. That that to me is <laughs> this is the makings of a solid booking. So true, true. Okay. Um, I'm good with most of this card, to be honest. Yeah. It's it's pretty solid. That said, our featured prelim bout, uh-huh. Alexia Linek, Alir Latifi. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, Alexia Linek is still. He's still that dude. He is still a baseline litmus test. Yeah. And I'll admit, well, A, Latifi is a lot older than I think he is. He's one of those people that just never seems to age. And so you forget that he's almost 40 now. Well, that may be relevant to a, to our discussion here, but yeah. Um, but it, it does just feel like... Leo Latifi shouldn't lose this fight. Mm-hmm. That's just it. Like, And, and yet? <laughs> he, he could. I mean, that's the thing. Is he certainly could. Leo Latifi has... He has fallen... For a dude who doesn't seem to get that old, who doesn't seem to age, who doesn't seem to be different than the fighter he was five years ago, there's also seems to have... There's a cliff that has nonetheless been walked off, it feels like. Well, yeah, I don't know that Elio Latifi was ever good. I mean, he's really just like the high watermark of, like, 
what the the William Knights of the world can aspire to. Like, it's true. He, he, that's he, all he's he, ever been. He's just a hyper athletic little ball of muscle. Yeah. Who's just, reached greater heights than most of those guys tend to. But yeah, uh, I, I guess what I think I feel like what it is is that. And maybe in part, it's just that he's been around long enough to yeah. now just consistently get bigger fights than he can win. Exactly, yeah. Corey Anderson, Vulcan Ozdemir, Derek Lewis, you really look at that as a three-fight stretch, and it's like, okay, none of those are fights that Ilya Latifi is ever necessarily going to win at any stage of his career. Yeah. But who's but, his best win? Like, let's say Peru? Yeah, maybe even just Tyson Pedro. Yeah. Ovin St. Pru, Tyson Pedro, Cyril Jabati, like these are his best wins. Yeah. Tony Lopez. <laughs> yeah, it is it is fair to note. Like every other time every time he has taken a step up in his career, even if that yeah. step is Emmanuel Newton. Yeah. He is he has lost that step up. Yeah. And I think we can't uh, we can't escape this side of the conversation anymore, Shane. It's a it's a heavyweight fight. Yeah. Talk about dadness. Yeah. There's a reason you think of Latifi as being younger than he is. Guy's practically 40 years old. Yeah. But, uh, you know, what's what's Alir Latifi uh, doing on the weekends? He's unbuttoning he's, his Tommy Bahama shirt. Yeah, he's got his Tommy, he's got his, his, his skinny cut slacks. Yeah. He's out on the he's, town with his with with his dog and yeah he's he's walking around looking like one of those like uh, those like uh, Iranian bodybuilders on uh, you know those the, the Iranian mm-hmm. pretty boys on Instagram yeah you know you just look at a picture of, of Adil Latifi on a weekend and you can smell the cologne mm-hmm. um he's not a dad no you know? and he has looked at heavyweight he has looked shook up. He does yeah. not look like a confident fighter. He did not look like a confident fighter in the cage against Derek Lewis or Tanner Bozer. Yeah, because the thing is, when you move up to heavyweight, if you are not a dad, yeah, you have the feeling of one who has just realized they are fighting their dad. Yep. You know, any heavyweight opponent who, who has the requisite dadliness, they become your dad in that moment. <laughs> and it breaks you mentally. <laughs> nobody wants to fight their dad. Yeah. Um. Now, that being said... I do think there's a thing where, like, Olenek is big and confident. He's going to throw a bunch of stupid hooks. He's going to hit some stupid takedowns or try. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he's, he has the confident, the heavyweight confidence to just make a mess happen and be comfortable in that mess. Oh, yeah. I mean, Olenek is everybody's dad. Absolutely. Like, he's my dad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he is the most old man on a busted wheel with, like, you know, a post game and a jump hook, you know, <laughs> but like, just, but how's he actually going to beat Latifi is the question. Yeah. Cause like you can't choke Latifi out. You can't, there's no neck. It doesn't seem physically possible. He's You're not probably... going to muscle one of his arms and like, yeah, snap it. The, the arms barely, you know, it is a bowling ball yeah. with, with features yeah are, are arm wrestling a little latifi is is like thumb wrestling <laughs> there's not a lot of appendage to work with there yeah and you're probably not going to out wrestle him no so despite all the signs indicating that Olenek has the one quality that he either uh you know promises or curses uh heavyweight success 
I don't really see how he wins. Yeah. So I have to pick Latifi. Yep. That's really it. Philosophically wrong, but um, like it's still MMA. Yeah. I don't really see what the fighting path to victory is. I don't think having the the bright philosophy is always enough. (laughs) No, it's not. And I mean... at He's also going to get tired after three minutes. I mean, like, yeah, at, at some point, even even heavyweights age out of being successful. And dad division, it's not a granddad division. Yeah. <laughs> you know? There will still be the Jared Vanderas of the world, though, who just are like, you know, I think just a straight grappling match with the Le- or with uh, Alexi Alinek is, is what I need. They they like you know what I can shake and bake this old man. Look at him. He can't. He can barely move his feet off the ground. Yeah. And then you know it. It suddenly they're they're down like eighteen to four in a pickup game. Yeah. But That's I, I, yeah, flat I think footage shooting from like five feet behind the three point line. Olenek is for sure gonna have Latifi shook at some point mm-hmm. in a completely ridiculous way. Like yeah. But Latifi, sooner or later, Latifi's going to realize that he can just win this fight. Like, yeah. What is Olenek going to actually do to take Latifi out of a winnable position? I don't see it. Yeah. We got to both think earlier Latifi, but it's going to be really, especially those first two or three minutes are going to be comical. Like, yeah. if Alexi Olenek can hit Latifi with a huge looping right hand or uppercut that shakes him up yeah. and gets him to take a sloppy shot, Right into like a front headlock. Mm-hmm. It could be there. You might see just like a, a a minute of panic before Latifi remembers that he doesn't have a neck to choke yeah. anyway, and that he'll be fine. Before Latifi realizes that, in, in fact, he didn't uh, keep Alexi's daughter out past nine thirty. Yeah, that he's actually having a professional fight with this man, and he <laughs> can just go out there and start winning. Yeah. yeah. So you got to pick Latifi. I would yeah. love to see Olenek win. Nothing against Alir, whom I also love dearly, but <laughs> but it's, um, it's it, it is pure pure fun and comedy every time Olenek goes out there and picks up a win over some dude twenty years his junior who's just like yeah suddenly panicked at the idea of having to fight this decrepit old man. Yeah, weird orangutan armed, balding. <laughs> pot-bellied old dude with 85 fights on his record yeah uh but yeah i just again i i just don't how do you get a how do you get a a fortuitous grappling exchange yeah how do you not just get punched by a guy who's like twice your speed uh i just don't see how i need scarf hold a man who loves scarves <laughs> that's true that's true literally tifi will just like take a little nap while while Olenek is trying to scarf hold him. He's like, this reminds me of my favorite Pashmina. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's none, none, of the, none of the old tricks seem like they're poised to work here. Yeah. Olenek opened at plus 170, dropped to plus 145. It's currently plus 148. Latifi opened at minus 200, jumped to minus 170, currently minus 179. It, this, I feel like this could be wider. Like, yeah. Latifi has literally never been submitted. Yeah, he has lost plenty of fights over his career, but never by submission. Yep. 
All right. That brings us to a woman's strawweight bout. Jessica Penne, Tabitha Ricci. And this is this is going to be a very awkward fight. Mm-hmm. Very awkward. Because Tabitha Ricci is... She's a very good grappler. She has a very sound idea of what an MMA game should look like at the base structural level. Mm -hmm. And she is just not big enough. She is an atom weight. And there are not really two ways about that. Her fights with, you know, literally, you know, very reasonably big, all big fighters for their division: Pollyanna Viana, Mary Maria Oliveira, and Manon Fierro have all been marked by Ricci, even in victory, looking tiny. Yeah, even when she can get opponents down and start out grappling them. She, like, Pollyanna Viana basically just neutralized her ground game utterly. Ricci may have neutralized Viana's as well, but, like, you're a jiu-jitsu, you know, super high-level jiu-jitsu black belt. You shouldn't, who's getting top position for the whole fight, basically, you shouldn't just be stuck in guard the whole Mm -hmm. time. And she was. Um, and Jessica Penne is a very good grappler. She's yep. a very good uh, jiu-jitsu, or she's a very good MMA grappler. You know? She has a grappling game suited to opportunism and to forcing opponents into bad positions on the mat where they realize that they're in danger because she's attacking. It is in no way a, uh, it, it is, I think it's a, it's a very good combination of position and um, attack. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, not to be like over the top about it, but it reminds me a, a little bit of like, you know, kind of like a Brian Ortega grappling game where it's just dangerous and a p- fighters often get to the ground with her and are suddenly just like, wow. I, I need to get away from this. Yeah. Oh. You look and, at her. And like Ortega, I mean, I don't think that's actually a bad comparison. Like Ortega, she's like a bully. Mm-hmm. She will take whatever she has to take and keep pressing forward and just, she it's, she's intimidating to fight. Yeah. For you know, smaller you take, opponents in particular. You, you take that fight with uh, Lupita Godinez and Godinez, she beat Godinez just because she made Godinez realize really quickly, I cannot grapple with this person. Yeah. So I, I have somehow to just... I can't hurt her, I can't scare her off, and I can't grapple yeah. with her. Yeah. And uh, you know, you really have to be you have to be oftentimes you have to be a confident puncher over the whole bout to fight uh Penne because she's not a good striker at all. Her, she's foot slow. She doesn't check kicks. She will walk right onto strikes, but she will pressure constantly. And if you get at all in your own head about that, then she will take a really hard fight to you. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes this interesting because Tabitha Ricci is not a good striker, and she's not a confident 15-minute striker. She has a good idea of the MMA of like, oh, throw power overhand, getting on a takedown, get to the mat and grapple game. But her footwork is messy and her striking doesn't have much nuance to it at all. And it's all predicated on a grappling game where she's just not big enough to really control people and make her own grappling happen that well. And that makes this fight with Penne. That makes it look really tough. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to actually pick Jessica Penne. I'm fully prepared for Penne to just suddenly like get out grappled by Tabitha Ricci. Sure. To get owned and just... Or just get plugged on the feet like she does all the time. But... I don't... I, I don't like enough of what I see out of Tabitha Ricci for me to be confident here. And Penne, I may not like what she brings to the table either, but I I know she's confident in it. I know exactly what she's going to bring to this fight and what it's going to look like for her. So, I'll... Yeah, I, I think I'm siding with you. Um, just because, I mean, honestly, there's a lot in common between Penne and uh, Poliana Viana, mm-hmm. who just has, like, way more confidence than is merited. Yeah. Um, basically everywhere she's got that willingness to, I mean, the first time that she actually had to deal with Richie on top of her is because she jumped for guillotine. It wasn't yeah. she took her down. Yeah. Um, but she is also like big and will just like throw hard strikes and just wade in. Mm-hmm. And that uh, it clearly had an effect on Richie. I mean, that, that really revealed to me that Richie is capable of being bullied. Mm-hmm. And that's what Penne does to people, especially late career Penne. Like, I think she's just kind of had to come to terms with the fact that she's just going to be in brutally difficult fights. Yep. And just keep the pressure and pace on her opponents at all costs. And, uh, yeah, that that's basically how Viana already beat Ricci. And Viana may be much younger, but she's really not, like, any better skill-wise than, than Penne. Maybe she's got more youthful athleticism, but even that. It's just, I think, the size and the aggression that won it for her. Viana did lose that fight. Oh, right. But it just was ugly. Yeah. It was just made, ugly and bad. She made, she made Ricci look bad. Yeah. I just don't have a lot of trust in Ricci right now. And her, and like, you know, she's five foot one, and she needs a controlling grappling game. And it's just not like it's hard to be the controlling grappler when you're way smaller than your opponents. Yeah. Just what it is. Yeah. And she just spent a lot of that fight with with Viana just like bullying her and making her look very uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think Penne is a better decision maker than Viana. What she, she is a much better in, decision maker. Might lack in youth. She's not just going to give up positions. No. She's going to threaten the guillotine in order to get to a better clinch position or in order to get to a takedown. Yeah. Something. Um, not just throw a round away willy nilly. Yeah. So Ricci opened at minus 250, jumped up to minus 180. It's currently at minus 219. Penne opened at plus 210, dropped down to plus 145. It's currently up at plus 177. Yeah, I mean, I get that Ricci has some um, credentials to her name. But, like, Pollyanna Viana is the best win she's ever had. 
And Penny, you know, she may have lost Emily Dakota, who is a very skilled and capable and calm vet at this point in her career. But even just beating Lupita Godinez is a much better, you know, never mind Karolina Kowalkovich, but just beating Lupita Godinez is a much better win than anything on Ricci's record right now. Mm-hmm. She she also made Dakota look worse than she has in a lot of recent yeah. times. Like she, she even made Dakota uncomfortable. All right. Well, we got to move on. Yeah. Uh, Joaquin Silva, Joe Kim Silva, Jesse Ronson. Um, uh, Silva. <clears throat> Even though pick, I, I, I <laughs> you're just going to pick Ronson. I'm just going to pick Ronson. I like Ronson's game. I always have. I want to see him succeed. He's much stiffer and Silva hits harder. So, yeah. But I mean, this Silva, just seems like the one fight in a while where Silva is not in immediate danger of getting KO'd. That has revealed itself as a serious problem for him. Yeah. But Ronson is a really awkward striker. I mean, I'm I'm not honestly sure why Ronson's still in the UFC. No, I'm not sure either. I'm glad he is because he's funky. But yeah, and I just, I have a soft spot for his game. But yes, I'm not sure either why. Yeah, I just, I just think, think that he's going to get into pocket exchanges with Silva, and I think Silva just hits way harder. Yeah, he does. I just think that he can some point in there he can Ronson can stick to it enough to make Silva panic and start getting hurt. Yeah, maybe. Um, it's like, hey, you know, there is one, one element that he has in common with the two guys who have now knocked out Silva in a row. He's a yeah. softball. Yeah. And he's it's not like, like Rick Glenn is the world's biggest hitter. No, for sure. No, Rick he's, Glenn. I think it's still a much more functional striker than Ronson, but yeah, Southpaw's just walking in and like making Silva punch with them has not worked out for him in the recent past. So no. Ronson opened at plus 145. He's currently down at plus 120. Silva opened at minus 170, currently minus 147. I like to see those odds getting closer and closer. It should be a dead even fight. Both men have a lot of a, a lot of problems and very. I mean, for Ronson, his game is actually not thin. He's just not a great athlete, and he stands so stock stiff. Yeah. And hangs out in the pocket that he's always in danger. And for Silva, his game really is just uh, paper thin everywhere. Mm-hmm. Few big strikes few big takedowns, some nice grappling positions he can hit every now and then, but everything he can, every place he can have success can be taken from him. All right, that brings us to a middleweight bout, Christoph Yatko, Brendan Allen, and um, this is uh, this is a difficult fight to pick, too, honestly. This one. Yeah, this is a good matchup. Yatko is, uh, he has turned him, he is slowly become a take no risks lose no positions tough out you know he had a big run of success early on in the ufc where he was kind of this like surprisingly dynamic fighter who could get in and uh hit some big takedowns and land some hard punches and would just kind of mix it up and be a little wild and unpredictable. And then he got knocked out twice. And the guy who has emerged from that is very cautious and very hard to take off his game. He will just swallow you up in the clinch if he has to. If he can take you down, he will slow you down on the ground if he has to. Otherwise, he will just sort of pick from his back foot and not take any risks. And uh, Brendan Allen is still all about risks. 
and all about charging into the face of danger and just trying to create a scrap and trying to make his fight happen and land punches and out grapple people, be the more active fighter. Um, you know, that fight he had with Malkoon, Malkoon 5'9", not a physical force, but a good, thoughtful, crafty fighter who tends to take the right approaches to people. That was a razor-thin fight for Brendan Allen. Allen barely scraped that out, fighting largely off of his back. And, um, you know, part of me wonders if with a much bigger opponent in Kristoff Yatko, if, if Yatko brings the kind of same kind of fight to Allen, does Allen win that fight? I am not sure at all. On the flip side, we've also got Yatko just getting walked down and pieced up by Sean Strickland not that long ago. And I also feel like Brendan Allen can do that too. He's not as yeah. good a defensive wrestler as Strickland, which is could be a very big problem for him here. Um, but he is increasingly aggressive and confident on the feet. Yeah, he's increasingly aggressive and confident on the feet. And Yatko, you know, he, his wrestling comes and go. Like, everything seems to come and go for him, depending on how he thinks he can slow people down. That Strickland yeah. fight, he only shot one takedown. Yeah. Despite getting beat all the time, and partially just because he was getting pushed backwards all the time. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm going to pick Brendan Allen to mm-hmm. create that kind of pressure and get the win, but there's a chance for Yako to slow him down and just make this fight, the Malkoon fight, except that he's bigger and maybe Allen will get less done. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to take Brendan Allen as well. Um I don't know. It's difficult for me to put my finger on what exactly is up with uh, with Jotko. Mm-hmm. That he he had this super um, like wrestling centric game early in his UFC career. Yeah. And and then for a while I was like, oh, he doesn't wrestle anymore. Like, just become this weird wild striker. <clears throat> and then he's brought it back. But then there's other fights um, like you just described with the Strickland one. Where it's like, why are you not pushing your takedown? The big, the big thing with this game now is that it's just all about risk aversion. Yeah, yeah. It's Whatever just, you're doing, it's hard lessons from those losses, and yeah, it's just taken a, a made a change in him as a fighter. I don't know if it's a good change or not. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes I think it is. Um, he's certainly winning a lot still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't deny that. But. Uh, is it is he winning or is he just like not losing? Yeah. <laughs> this is this is my concern against Brendan Allen because Allen has been developing skills that should make it more and more uh, possible for him to like step yeah. on the gas and and control a fight and, and take a fight over. Whereas in the past he was just a sort of boy I hope you bring the fight to me that I can win kind of mm-hmm. fighter. Um. Yeah, and I and I think. Uh, it, it is often the story, as we've noted countless times with Henry Hooft fighters, which Brendan Allen is, has been one now for the last couple years. 
where there's a bit of a learning curve there. Yeah. And then suddenly we've already seen drastic improvement. I mean, Allen clearly has the size and the, the confidence to go out there and just, Oh, I picked this up, this, uh, this kick up in this camp. I'm going to go out there and just throw it confidently. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he struck super confidently with, um, Punahele Soriano. Um, that's who he fought, right? Am I thinking of somebody else? And just went out there and traded big kicks with him and looked really comfortable. Just kicked his body apart. Yeah. In a way that we had not seen before then. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think we might see Allen going out there and, um, just pressuring Yatko and accepting the exchanges. And it is a huge question if Yatko can just take him down and beat him. But if that's your only path to victory, then um, that in like neutralizing and avoiding exchanges. I guess the guy who has at the very least shown a willingness to just kick you to pieces if that's all he's going to be able to get. Yeah. Uh, I'm inclined to take Brendan out. He's also not the the guy I would point to as the easiest person to just take down and then beat on the ground. No, he he won that fight against Malcoon, spending half right. of the first two rounds on his back getting controlled. Right. Brent, Brendan Allen is the loss that shows up on a lot of uh, good current UFC fighters, like early pre-UFC yeah. records. Yako opened at plus 105, dropped to minus 110, is currently minus 126. Allen opened at minus 125 and is currently plus 103. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know that Allen should be an underdog here necessarily. I mean, I get the wrestling factor, but just in terms of like offense creation, Yatko is not uh, dependable. Yeah, you know his fights with Misha Serkinov and. That's why Misha Serkinov was razor thin, and he took it to Gerald Mearshart. But, you know, Mearshart is also, like, one of the least athletic, better middleweights out there. Yeah. All right. That brings us to a light heavyweight bout. Maxime Grishin, Felipe Felipe Linz. And... um, That's you, so go ahead. It's me. Yeah. All right. I was just... No, I thought I was going to have something quippy to say, and I don't. <laughs> uh, you weren't going to make some lascivious comment about Linz's uh, weight loss and how this, like, flabby heavyweight was just completely shredded in this last fight? Yeah. Shocked no. by that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, this is uh, This is another one where... I think it's a decent matchup. It's not as easy to figure out as I want it to be. Yeah. Um, Grecian is one of those fighters who just seems like he should be way better than he is. He's very technical and practiced at everything, and everything happens at an incredibly slow pace. Incredibly slow pace. Very low output. Um, And, yeah, I think there's a certain amount of timidity behind that. Like, Grecian, like Yatko, I think is a a very risk-averse fighter. Um, he just kind of has a certain idea of how he wants his fights to play out. And we saw that like just being able to compete at the range where normally he feels he's free of risk. Dustin Jacoby was able to have tons of success against him. Mm -hmm. Um, and then he can even go in there with a guy like, like William Knight and basically do whatever he wants 
and still just sort of tepidly take him to a decision. Yeah. Uh, not a great look. Linz, on the other hand, I'm I have a harder time like wrapping my head around because I was actually quite impressed with him against Marcin Procneo. Mm-hmm. He I I'd never had been that impressed with Linz in the past, so he was certainly like a capable, competent heavyweight. He was just kind of unimpressive. He actually yeah. looked like really aggressive and confident against Procneo. He looked yeah. like he felt faster and more powerful. He looked faster and more powerful. Yeah. Um, but it's not a lot to go on for me to no. be like, oh, he's going to beat this 32 and 9, <laughs> you know, exceedingly experienced and athletic veteran. Linz is not any younger. That's crazy. Right? Yeah. He's 37, and Grishin is 38. Um, Yeah, I mean, I expect Linz is going to be faster, but, like, I think part of the, a big part of the thing with uh, Grishin looking so good against Prakneo is that he really got to impress his size on Prakneo. Like, he got to be a big, light heavyweight suddenly. He got to be a big man for the first time in his career, basically. Um, Linz, you mean? Yeah, Linz. And so he his boxing game being kind of a, you know, ones and twos over and over again, and, uh, you know, maybe a few other things mixed in, he could, he could constantly buttress, like, you know, when he did that to Andrei Arlovsky, he couldn't then push Andrei Arlovsky around. And so he just had to settle for having the same exchanges with Andrei Arlovsky over and over where Andrei Arlovsky could get the better of them. You're right. It was a very punch and clutch kind of performance. Yeah. Uh, against Procneo where he yeah. would pressure really basic punches. And then whenever he wanted to, he could basically just crash into a clinch. Yeah. And, and the question of whether he can do that against Grishina, because Grishin is also a former heavyweight. He's six, three and he's huge. He's a big, strong dude. That's a lot of what gets him through and lets him be so patient and calm. And Grecian or and uh, Linz is not Dustin Jacoby, who can just no. go out there and sit in the mid range and throw whatever and have it, you know, be his whole game over and over again. Yeah, I think you're 100 percent right. Why it looked like such a transformation for Linz? Yeah, the first time I've ever seen him actually be capable of bullying someone. Yeah, and that's however, it. It is a really slow pace for Grecian. So yeah. yeah. You know, it's the kind of pace even Marcin Tybura could take the fight to him and beat him. Yeah. And but I just Jordan, don't know that there's that much depth to Linz's game. Uh, yeah. I think there's I'm not a ton to Grecians either, but he's big. He doesn't fit the archetype that Procneo seems to yeah. fight that, that aggression from Linz. Um, I'm going to um, take Linz. Yeah. I think he's not going to get hurt by Grecian, and I think that'll let him push the pace a little more. But it'll be an ugly, weird fight. It'll be very ugly. What about yeah, you? Yeah, I'll I'll take Grecian. Right. I just think I don't like the idea of one twos and crashing into the clinch, and like that's a way to lose to Grecian. <laughs> it is a way to lose to Grecian. Grecian opened at minus one ten. He's currently down at minus one seventy eight. Linz opened at. Minus 110 is currently up at plus 146. All right, we got to bust through these last two. All right. Catchweight, about 140 pounds. Stolyarenko, Chelsea Chandler. I'm taking Stolyarenko. 
Chandler's yeah. default is wrestling. Stolyarenko's a still an actually good armbar threat. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And usually it's veterans who can really just veterans or better athletes. Julia Avila, Alexis Davis, Yana Konitskaya mm-hmm. can fight their way out of the subs and then beat her. Um, Chandler is exceptionally raw, so I'm not gonna pick her to get that win. Yep, I'm with you. Uh, odds on the bout: Chandler is dead even. She opened at minus 150. It's currently minus 107. Sully Rink opened at plus 130. It's currently down at minus 115. That brings us to a bantamweight bout: Guido Canetti, Randy Costa. Really fast. Yeah, awesome fight. Um, you know, awesome, and and both guys have the, kind of the same serious limitation. Randy Costa keeps looking better and better in the first round, and then just as bad as ever round two Both men have the ability to fight their way out of their fight with their own success exactly and and these are both guys who are uh who are prone to catastrophically getting getting tired and, and then just collapsing as the fight goes on yep um i think i will take randy costa because he is at least very sharp and dangerous with his strikes in a way that Kennedy isn't he can put layers together he can throw nice combinations he's a super tricky kicker and if yep. both guys are going to just fall apart after the first four minutes or so, uh, I'll take the guy who's going to be racking up more consistent damage in that time. I'll take the 28-year-old over the 42-year-old. That That's too. It. That too. It'll be a fast, wild fight. Somebody is going to get knocked out, and yeah. uh, but I'll take the younger guy to take the more damage. Mm-hmm. Kennedy opened at plus 220, jumped up to plus 240, currently up at plus 241. Coast opened at minus 260, dropped down to minus... 317 is currently minus 303. That wraps us up. You can find me on Twitter at these ain't time. You can find Connor on Twitter at Boxing Bush. You can find both of us over at bloodyelbow.com. We'll be back in two weeks' time for UFC Fight Night Grasso versus Araujo. In the meantime, catch us on the MMA Press Us next week. Thanks everyone for tuning in. We will see you then. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, the Level Change Podcast, the MMA Bivis Section, the 6th Round Post-Fight Show, 6th Round Retro, The MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, The Hey Not The Face Podcast, and Radio Style Play-By-Play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bloody Elbow Blog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com.